Morning guys on this beautiful sunny day. Welcome to the Morby Download. This is episode 4 and we're here with Sarah Tebbett today. Uh, and she battled cancer uh, so many years ago. And we're just going to talk about how she's overcome it, what helped her, what she was going through ahead, how she's engaged and how it's changed her outlook on life. So say hello Sarah. Hi, morning. <laughs> uh, and if you tell us from the beginning Sarah, you know, when you thought about going to the doctors, when it all began. Okay, so um, there's a long history of breast cancer in my family, or quite a considerable history. So my mum's had breast cancer and her mum and her sister. Mm -hmm. um, so I was always aware to keep an eye out for symptoms. So probably a bit more aware maybe than some people would be. Um, so as soon as I noticed that there was what I thought was a bit of a lump there, then I went straight to the GP. Because of my family history, Again, I didn't have a battle with the GP. They was, they listened to me straight away and referred me straight to the hospital. So compared to some people, it was probably an easier beginning because I didn't have to... Um, you sort of knew some background around it. And... Yeah, I knew the right words to say. Yeah. You know, I, I'm a nurse anyway, so I knew the right things to tell people to get it looked at fairly quickly. So um, it was November 2015, they sent me to the hospital, where initially they said... The consultant said, oh, I don't know, I think maybe it's just a bit of a cyst or something, it's not... Well, it almost like trying to fob you off sort of thing, well, not yeah, to worry or... Just, they weren't worried initially, but okay. because you when you go, you go to a one-stop appointment, so they, do, they can do all the tests look at, everything. at the time. Yeah. <laughs> so they said, well, we'll do a scan and have a look and see what it looks like. So they did an ultrasound and a mammogram, and you can t I could tell from their faces that actually they had found something yeah. that they were worried about. Yeah. Again, I don't know if that's because I'm a nurse, so I'm used to working in that environment. Well, I'm picking up on people's reactions and yeah, facial expressions. Possibly. And... So I knew I knew that they'd found something, and actually, it wasn't the lump that I had found. It was kind of underneath there. So whether it had pushed something up, they're not really sure. Okay. So I knew on the day they were very clear on the day that they'd found something that they were almost certain was a cancer. But they send your biopsies off and that takes a week and you go back in a week to find out. So I knew. Yeah. Um, and I think... And then, you know because you've got that family history. Yeah. Did you know like what was coming next in the process and you think, oh, yeah. I'm going through this? And... Yeah, I definitely felt more prepared than I think some people probably would. Mm. So while it's scary and not nice, um, it was probably a little bit easier for me than some people I've spoken to, I think. Yeah. Um, so... Yeah, you go away and you go back in a week for the results and then they tell you mm. yes or no. So they say, yes, it is a cancer. And so did you have quite a quick return from when? How long was the time where you found the lump then getting referred and going through that process? Yeah, it was pretty quick. Yeah. So maybe I found it, went to the GPs straight away. So it's probably a couple of weeks to see the GP, then another couple of weeks. So probably within a month yeah. to six That's weeks. That's quite good then. Because yeah, the NHS good. target is like six weeks. Isn't it? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So from that point of view, I would say it was yeah pretty quick. Mm -hmm. And then, so that was the end of November. And I'd had, I had surgery the day before Christmas Eve. And how was that? You know, because it's so close to Christmas Day yeah. where your family... Yeah. orientated again that was my choice yeah um, so they said i could have waited till after christmas but once you know it's there then you, you just, just want to get rid to be done yeah yeah you get rid. You, or you want to start some treatment so some people have chemo first but for me it was surgery first so i wanted it done and actually for for me christmas was an easier time because there was people around who could help so yeah they were, they were, the kids weren't at school 
so there was no school runs to have to manage. Um, my mum and dad were off work, so they could come and help. Um, Jeff's in the police, so he should have been working, but actually they were brilliant. And as soon as that we told them, then he was off for the whole of Christmas. They just let him have that time off. So he had the first week off, and then my mum and dad came came stage for the second week. So. And they, you know, at, did you have a lot of family support that come round? Yeah, yeah. So um, my mum and dad don't live locally; they live in Bedfordshire, so a bit further away. But as soon as they knew that I would need some help, then they came and stayed. So yeah. they came and stayed in our house. Jess dad only lives around the corner, so he was there if we needed him for school runs and things like that. And um, and I've got we've got lots of friends. So yeah, yeah. Were really helpful as well. How did your children deal with that though? You know. You, did you tell them, or you just left it and left it? And then... No, I, I found a time when I knew... The hospital were great. They gave me a book. I didn't actually use the book in the end. Yeah. Um, but they do give you books that you can give Look into. children to read. Yeah. Um, but I just found a time when I knew that I wouldn't cry. So a time when I knew that I was feeling okay. We were all together. But again, because they'd seen my mum go through treatment, it was easier for them to understand. Yeah. So they'd seen her, Lucy didn't remember, wouldn't have remembered because she was a baby, but she could see that my mum was fine yeah. now. So they, it was easier for me to explain what would happen to them because yeah. we had that experience. Yeah, I know it's a, a bit of a horrible thing to say, but it's like people still associate cancer with death, don't they? Yeah. And it's like right. you've been cancer. And then you instantly, some people instantly think, I'm going to die. Yeah. Uh, when so many people are surviving it now, aren't they, and getting That's past right. it? And... Yeah, yeah, the survival rates um, are pretty good. Mm. You know, they're not. We'd like them to be better, but they're. We're well, always going to want them to be better, right? Pretty good. Um, and yeah, it was it was helpful to have somebody that you could say, well, look at that pet, you know, look at Nanny now, she's okay. Yeah. So that really helped to explain it to them. And how was it after the surgery? Um, it wasn't anywhere near as bad as I thought it would be. So I had a full mastectomy. Yeah. Um, but it wasn't as bad as I thought it would be. Um, I had a little bit of delayed healing of my wound, so it took a bit longer. But I'm so stubborn, I wouldn't <laughs> give into it, so I carried on as normal as I could be. Yeah, so still doing um, the school run and. As soon as I could, yeah, 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 as soon as I could. So I had a, at one point, I had a like a dressing that was on the wound with a pump attached to it, so I just used to put the pump in my pocket yeah. and walk them to school. Okay, so, that's good then. Yeah, yeah, carried on as normally as I could. Yeah, with um, about bits of bouts of tiredness and. Yeah, yeah, and they give you exercises that you have to do to mm. keep your mobility in your mm. arm. Yeah. So making sure that I did those as well, but not do anything silly, just yeah. be sensible. And it, that's the most. I always see that as a really vital part is actually doing the homework. Yeah. Because you see so many people, oh, I've still got, I've, I haven't got range of motion. Well, did you do your homework? And it's like, well, I didn't do it as often as I should have done. Yeah. And, you know, that's where you get the side effects a lot of the time, isn't it, sometimes? Yeah, definitely. Yeah, they give you, again, the hospital give you all the um, information around what you sh- what's safe for you to do afterwards and what you should do, mm. and in what time scale. So how long after your surgery you should do this movement. And they build the exercises up. So yeah. yeah, I made sure that I did those exercises every day, and I mm. haven't had any issues. I've got full range of mobility yeah. in that arm, and haven't had any issues yeah. since. And what other parts of treatment did you have? You know, apart from the surgery. So I had surgery first, just before yeah. Christmas, and um, then 
had chemotherapy, so it was a little bit delayed because of the delayed healing of my wound. But yeah. I started chemotherapy in February of 2016, so yeah. I had six, um, six cycles of chemotherapy and then had a year's worth of um, a targeted therapy called Herceptin. So yeah. that was an injection that I just had at home. The nurses came. Oh, good then. So yeah. that's in your own environment. Yeah, okay, so the so. nurse would come once every three weeks to the house, give me an injection, yeah. sit with me for a couple of hours to make sure that everything was okay, and then carry on as normal. Yeah. Yeah, because I met you in January, and then obviously sometimes you came back and you were like really sure you're tired, and we were going on walks all the time. Yeah. Uh, how much importance do you say that the support is in general uh, to have family support or somebody that's a, sort of associated with cancer but not involved? Yeah. So you can offload. Yeah, I think you need all kinds of different support mm. really. So um, you need your family yeah. around you, but sometimes like you've just alluded to, you don't always want to talk to them yeah. about how you're feeling. Now, I suppose I'm slightly different in that my mum had had treatment, so she did know what it felt like, yeah. what it was like, the experience. It's that relation, isn't it? Yeah, like... but sometimes you want somebody who knows exactly what you're talking about. So the benefit of meeting people who have had or are having the same treatment of you, as you is really important. Um, so coming to the group was really good because there was people there who knew what you were talking yeah. about. So I met people in that way, and I also met people through Twitter. Yeah. So Twitter has got a really good um, cancer community where of patients or current patients and past patients who support each yeah. other through that network as well. And how did you find the social media world sort of thing? Because some, some people advise you not to go on it, especially yeah. looking for symptoms or anything like that. Or yeah. sometimes you get worst case scenarios, don't you, a lot yeah. of the time. Uh, but did you sort out different groups that were on that, or did you were you just putting out your sort of live story that was going on that, and then people reacted to it in a positive way? Um, Google is the worst thing. So if you Google your symptoms or <laughs> Google your diagnosis, you can scare yourself to death. Yeah. So which I did at the beginning. So I think everybody does that. Yeah, absolutely. But some of the research is really old. Yeah. So treatments have changed and things like that. So. I don't do that anymore. You can scare yourself to death. Um, there's lots of groups out there, and I think you have to find the right ones for you. So not everybody wants the same kind of support. Some people choose to do blogs. I didn't do a blog about my experience, mm -hmm. but I was quite open on my social media. Yeah. So I was quite open on Facebook yeah. and things. Back. And you are quite open about talking about it as well, haven't you? Yeah, so. that's right. Yeah, some people don't like to talk about it, mm -hmm. but I feel if, it, if talking about it helps one or two people mm -hmm. to maybe notice their symptoms a bit sooner or to think, oh, I'm not the only one who's felt that way, then um, I think it's really important. Yeah. And I talk too much anyway, yeah. so... <laughs> <laughs> I mean, if, you, if you're doing talk or anything like that, or you meet the people, you only have to engage with one person, don't you? And that's it, really. Yeah, that's uh, it. And that, that's what, you know, I go out and do talks at Coping with Cancer and McMillan and the different groups and go breast, uh, breast Friends in the Northampton charity and going out to them in a couple of weeks uh, and you're just looking at engaging one person yeah. because it is you, you know when you talk about rehab and then you, you did walking and you did the exercise and stuff like that it's it's best to not think of it as exercise isn't it it's mm. like this is going to improve my quality of life yeah and that's it because obviously you felt very tired coming on the walks and stuff but you still attained, turned up and you still yeah yeah, so I started the group just before, joined the group just before I started chemo, so mm -hmm. I was coming to the group all through chemo, um, and sometimes I'd come for a walk, 
a couple of days after yeah. I'd had a dose of chemo, but actually it just felt like it really helped with the tiredness yeah. to get out and go get makes you get up, get dressed and go and do something. Yeah. Even if it is just a one lap. One lap and a chit chat. Yeah, that's it. <laughs> yeah. Uh, I mean, most people suffer with fatigue, don't they? Uh, yeah. Going through the process. How did you overcome that? Did you find just that I needed to sleep in the afternoon or I just need to get out more? Or Yeah, which for me, it was just to try and keep going as much as possible. So um, I didn't, if I would have a nap in the afternoon, then I would have been awake all night. Mm-hmm. So for me, it was important to keep going as much of a normal routine to the day as possible so that then I had a good sleep at night time. That's different for everybody, but for me yeah. that was, and having young children, school age children really help that because they have a routine that you have to keep to. And they don't stop. No, exactly, <laughs> that's it, yeah. So keeping to their routine helped me to keep to a routine which really helped with the fatigue, I yeah. think. And from, um, from that, it's really changed your life, hasn't it? Because like, you do physical activity on a, on a day, daily, weekly basis. Yeah. Uh, so you go down to stealth. Yeah, so, so now, so the... Joining the group got me started, um, and I also met a lady on Twitter who um, really talks about the importance of physical exercise, um, and I went to a, a retreat that she'd organised, so she'd organised a retreat to get okay. breast cancer patients into exercise, that, um, her name's Jo Taylor, okay. she runs her own website called ABCD, um, and she talks about, um, there's lots of information on there for breast cancer patients. The breast cancer patient herself yeah and um, so she does lots of work and she'd organized a weekend retreat okay. for patients and i went i was lucky enough to go on the first one yeah. so that again introduced us to lots of different kinds of exercise and how was that retreat that was it quite nice or it was really yeah. nice yeah. yeah again all of the people that attended had were either current and um, pet breast cancer patients or had had breast cancer um so again there was an opportunity to talk to people that knew what you were talking yeah. about um, and joe had got a nurse to come and talk to us about some of the side effects of treatment and how to help manage those long-term yeah. side effects um and then we did tasters of different so we did uh, running we did nordic walking we did cycling yeah. um, and yoga so we did across the weekend we did lots of different tasters of exercise to try and encourage people to keep going and that's the thing is find something that suits you absolutely uh, yeah and that's what i always have felt on about is that if you find something that suits you just keep doing that yeah at least you're being physically active and you're still moving yeah absolutely um, yeah so um there was a lot i saw i found lots of research around the importance of exercise mm-hmm. about reducing your risk of recurrence um so nothing's guaranteed but whatever i felt like whatever i could do to help me is that how it's changed your outlook a bit it's yeah. like I started looking at stuff to say, well, look, I can't do this, or I shouldn't do this, I should do more of this. And... Yeah, I can't, I felt like um, I needed to take control. It had ha- it happened, I couldn't change the fact that I'd had that diagnosis, mm-hmm. but I needed to take control and do what I could to make the best of that yeah. and to improve the outcomes. So I was overweight when I had my diagnosis. Yeah. So I made sure that I lost weight. Um, still got some way to go, but I made sure that I lost But you're doing weight. well, aren't you? Yeah, you're doing well. well. Um, and I made sure that I started to have regular physical exercise. So I started with walking um, and then built that up from there. So I did some, I've done some running um, and then started doing some personal training sessions with mm-hmm. Kieran. 
and doing some weight training because again there was um, lots of evidence to say that that was really a beneficial thing to do. Yeah. Um, also, with um, to when you've had surgery on your lymph nodes, you can be at risk of lymphedema, and there was some I'd read some research that weight training might help to reduce the risk of that as well. So I'll give anything a try. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Do you, do you think it's called, now it's been and it's sort of gone and does it create some kind of anxiousness that it might come back, it might be this, or, you know, checking yourself on a regular basis or? Yeah, I think it's always in your mind, mm-hmm. so it's always there and every time you have an ache or a pain, you think, is this going to be the beginning of it returning, then you think, no, actually you've just done three exercise classes and mm-hmm. it hurts because it should hurt. Yeah. So, um, you know, or you've got a headache and you think, no, you've got a headache because you've got a headache and you've got a cold. Yeah. So it's, it's, so it's always there. Yeah. This year for me has been the most difficult from that point of view, I think, because I'm not on any treatment anymore. Yeah. So last, the injections that I was having ended last May, so a year ago. Yeah. Okay. They finished. So this year... You've, I've lost that safety net of the treatment. You always think, well, that was that keeping things at bay. Yeah. So that's been more difficult. And now you're left on your own. To, yeah. Are you still having a once a year check or is that? Yeah, so yeah. just an annual check now. Is that it? Yeah. yeah. It's a long time though, isn't it? It is, yeah, that's right. Yeah. Uh, and you know, when you come up to that annual check, is it like building up inside of you thinking, it might find something that it might be something negative or you're not really bothered by it I try not to think about it too much Mm -hmm. it's always there a little bit so when that letter comes to say it's okay then you think it's fine sigh of relief so um but yeah you kind of get a bit I think afterwards you probably think oh yeah I was getting a bit worked up about it you don't I don't think I always recognize it at the time that I'm getting worked up or anxious it's probably afterwards that I think yeah that was what was up with me yeah yeah (laughs) And the thing is, you do need that realisation, isn't it? It's that sort of reinforcement saying, no, this is what's up for me. Because otherwise you get paranoid about it. Absolutely, that's it. Yeah, so I do have to try and think to myself, think rationally mm-hmm. about it. Um, and if it, sometimes a bit of that's the nurse in me as well. I mm-hmm. think you jump to, because you know about medical conditions, so sometimes yeah. jump to the worst things first and then work my way backwards. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Did you feel that they treated you different because you were a nurse? I didn't always or... tell everybody. Oh, didn't you? <laughs> no. So I, don't always make, I didn't always make it well known because yeah. you want people to, to explain things to you. Simple. Yeah. And because obviously you get that shock syndrome where hardly anything goes in at all. Yeah. Uh, so it is basically trying to put it on layman's terms. And they always advise you to go with someone as well to take in yeah, information. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, so somebody was always with me when I went for my appointments. Um, yeah, for that, for that reason, yeah. really, to help you. You don't always hear everything that they're saying to you. Yeah. Do you think uh, they talk about mental health enough? No. Because that's where, when I go and do these talks and stuff around cancer, I find that I talk a lot about mental health and mindset changes and, and the positive mindset and what it can do to you or how it can move you forward. But like through the whole process, they never mention mental health. No, uh, no. And if I, if I had to be asked about what the thing that was missing from my care, that would be it. Yeah. So um, nobody ever really spoke about the psychological impact of it. Mm. So... Um, when my mum had treatment, 
she um, really struggled with the psychological impact of yeah. it and ended up needing some treats. She had some antidepressants. I'm sure she wouldn't mind share, me sharing that. Yeah. Um, and I felt that I didn't want that to be the Or if it, if it had to mm -hmm. be the case, then, that, then I would have done it. But yeah. I wanted to try and protect myself from that. Yeah. Hence the reason exercise was an important part of that yeah. for me, actually, to try and... Uh, one of the stats that came out, I think it was a year ago or two, uh, like six out of ten people develop some kind of mental health issue when going through the cancer. Yeah. And, you know, you can totally believe it when you're talking to people. I mean, I gave a one-to-one -to, -one to someone and they started crying as soon as I asked, how are you? Right. Because yeah. nobody else had asked them. Yeah. It's like, they've been going through this whirlwind effect through all the different treatments yeah. and nobody's gone, well, how are you? And how are you coping with that? Yeah. You know, talking a bit like about you, not about the cancer sort of thing. Yeah. Uh, but it's that investment in time in people, isn't it? Uh, yeah, and you know, our services are really busy. Mm. You know, we know yeah. that the the doctors and the nurses are really busy. Yeah, yeah. But I think there needs to be a bit more investment in that, an, an additional service to yeah. try and cover people's emotional yeah. well-being. Yeah, and I think, I know they do the support groups and stuff, which are great. But because you're in a group, you're not really, you don't, you just keep your guard up still, don't you? I think and a lot you of people do. You don't let anything do. Unless you get somebody on a one-to-one -one and say, you know, start asking a bit more deeper and you're, you're making it about them specifically. Yeah. That's when the emotions start running high and letting things go. And, mm. uh, I know a lot of the people I've dealt with end up crying in that first one-to-one -one because it's sort of a breakthrough, especially if you talk from a coaching point yeah. standpoint or a counselling standpoint. You know, if they have a cry, then it's something that they've just released and they yeah. feel better afterwards. Yeah. Uh, oh, when you're having treatment, um, you do a lot of putting on a brave face for everybody else. Yeah. So you do a lot of um, smiling and, and show, showing everybody that you're okay. Um, and a lot of the times you might well be okay, but sometimes you're not. But you do a lot okay. of brave face for everybody else, I think, yeah. as well. Yeah. I mean, some of the people I've talked to, it's like, the first question that they go up to is, are you doing all right? Because they know they've got cancer. So I've yeah. actually dealt with some people that never told anybody. Yeah, that's right. And it, yeah. they've tried to go through it all without any of their friends knowing or yeah. anything like that. Yeah. Because they didn't want to be treated differently. When the hardest part of the hardest part of it probably is when you first tell people because you see the look in their face. Yeah. And you have to, you know, that you've upset them. Well, that's it, <laughs> isn't it? Yeah. Yeah, so... Uh, I, I've had a couple of people that didn't never talk to their family really about it because they didn't want to upset the family. Yeah. Because every time it ended up getting emotionally, whenever they talked about anything, so they just stopped talking about yeah. it. Yeah. That's <laughs> it. Yeah. Uh, but the thing is, you don't want to upset anyone, do you? No, that's so, right. No. And I think it is that association around cancer at the moment, that stigma, that you know, back 20 years ago, the survival rates probably wasn't well. They're not as they weren't as good. Mm. And it did result in a lot of people in their 70s and 80s that were near towards the end anyway. Yeah. <laughs> uh, but, you know, now people are, it's awareness, isn't it? I think social media's happened so much around that. And like Cancer Research UK putting stuff on TV on a regular basis. Yeah. Uh, I can always remember, uh, what's that song, The Leaves of Barley or something like that. There was something on, an advert on TV, it was by Cancer Research, where the mum was standing behind the child and then the mum just fades away. Oh, in front right. of the mirror, and yeah. it, was, it was stuff like that that tried to hit home yeah. about stuff. And it obviously was asking for donations, but mm. yeah, that's the sort of avenue that they went down. 
what do you think about what's been in the news recently about uh, the, through the tube stations with the adverts saying obesity was one of the biggest causes of uh, see I didn't I didn't get as upset about that no. as a lot of people did um, because actually it's not good for you so yeah it's not fat shit okay. it's not no, no because they weren't they weren't using photos of people no so they weren't deliberately saying if you know this person is going to happen to I don't it's hard to explain, isn't it? But yeah. I didn't feel like they were fact-shaming people. I no. feel like they're trying to share a factual message yeah. with people. I mean, it is a fact, isn't it? Yeah. yeah. That's the thing. It is a fact. And just because... If you, it's like you say something, but somebody over there's took offence. Yeah. You know, well, I wasn't saying it to you. I'm just making a generalised yeah, statement. Yeah, Yeah. Uh, and there's loads of stuff, isn't it, that, that can lead towards uh, getting yeah. cancer. But some exactly. of it we can't control and some of it we can control. That's it, yeah. You know, there's lots of things that we can't control, but if you can reduce those risk factors, mm-hmm. then maybe that will help, or maybe it will help you to cope with the treatment. Mm-hmm. Did you did you change your eating at all? Yeah, definitely. Okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I did. Not saying that I don't slip back into bad habits because <laughs> everybody does, don't they? But I did mm. definitely change um, my eating habits and try to eat more mm. healthily. Was that more cooking yourself sort of thing rather than getting something processed, or did you cook in the first place quite a lot? And... Uh, we I don't we weren't too bad for cooking at home anyway because of the kids. Mm-hmm. So, um, but probably doing more of it and trying to make sure that. For me, and I still need, still not great at it, is remembering to take my own food to work with yeah. me. So making your own lunch and taking it with you, and being prepared, having food with you yeah. when your place is, so that you've got, you can make the right choice. Because, because when you're trying to eat out, so buy food when you're not in the house, that can be most tricky for yeah. me. If you're busy making, all the time, you yeah, want to go. Yeah, or yeah, if you're really busy, then forgetting to have lunch or something, and then because you're hungry later, you then don't make the right choices. So it was, I did a lot of changes around planning and making sure that I was more prepared, drinking more water, Mm -hmm. things like that. Do you still get any side effects from chemo or or the cancer itself or anything like that? Is it just, would you say a bit of tiredness? Yeah, I do do still think that I get some tiredness. I mean, we're really busy. I've got three kids. We're a busy family. Yeah, um, <laughs> that's a lot in its own. Yeah, it? that's it. They do. They do a lot of sports, which obviously I really encourage because of my experiences. Yeah. So we are busy, but I do find that if we, that I'm more tired probably than I would have been before. Okay. Um, so, um, but I'm lucky. I don't think I have a lot of left, you know, leftover side effects no. from treatment. That's really good though. Yeah. Because then some people. I mean, this is where you know I think physical activity or exercise, whatever you want to call it, has helped you dramatically because obviously people get fatigued if they're, if they're quite sedentary anyway. Yeah. They get tired and stuff like yeah. that. So if you're living that lifestyle and you get cancer, you know, it's going to be twice as worse. But if you go in physically active, and this is what I'm trying to push, as soon as you get diagnosed, then people should be looking to take up more physical activity or walking because obviously the more muscle mass you have, the better you cope with chemo and side effects yeah. to give you more energy going forward. Uh, how's your outlook on life changed? Because everybody talks about a change in perspective uh, in outlook. How's that changed for you? Um, yeah, I definitely think that I um, try to do. I say yes more. So what to everything? Don't <laughs> to too much. Yeah. Sometimes, but I try. Yeah, if there's opportunities, then we try and take them. Okay. So we do 
a lot of you know so we've had this year we've had weekends away and for di various different things to different places because um i don't want to turn things down because if i say yeah. oh we'll do it in a couple of years might never come round. Yeah, and then I can't do it in a couple of years. Yeah. So, uh, to, yeah, definitely try to um, live in the moment a bit more. Yeah. And I think that's what, uh, I mean, even if it's not around cancer, I think people need to start doing that a bit more rather than putting stuff off just going, yeah, I'll do it now, actually. Yeah. Uh, and then I can say I've done it rather than put it off for a year. Yeah. Then something happens, you think, actually, I'll, I'll put it off another year because something's happening. Because you just end up just keep going and going and going, don't you? Yeah, yeah. I mean, I have to be sensible. I, can't, I haven't won the lottery, so. No, no, exactly. <laughs> Not made the money. About it. But yeah, if we can do things, then we do them. Yeah. So we've, take, we've taken the kids to Italy because they've qualified for a kickboxing competition. So we found the money to make sure that they could have that opportunity. Yeah. Um, so yeah, things like that we've tried to. Yeah, uh, and we're gonna. I always do a bit of an advisory at the end. So one bit of advice that you could give to people, because obviously I deal with a lot of people with cancer, and I'm going to give a talk to the Crypt Recreation Centre in Northampton in a couple of weeks uh, with with breast friends. Mm -hmm. uh, what one advice would you give to them if you know they were either just been diagnosed or if they're going through cancer or afterwards? Because a lot of them will be afterwards uh, mm -hmm. the treatment. What advice would you give? I think it would be find that find that physical activity that suits you. So not everybody, you know, I know that I do a lot of activity and that wouldn't be for everybody. Um, not everybody can go and lift heavy weights and things like that, but you can go for a walk. So find that thing that gets you out of the house um, and doing something. And a group of people that can do that with you is really helpful as well. So I've made a lot of friends through physical activity and that helps mm. too. I mean that's one thing I will say just add on the end is you know a lot of people feel isolated don't they? Yeah. Uh, when they go through it and they, they sort of sink into their own home but the whole but there's loads of groups out there you've just got to get out there and interact and meet people. Like you were saying you turned into the Twitter world. Yeah. And that's you engage right. with people throughout there. Yeah and again it's about the best way um for you to access support so if you struggle with sitting and talking to somebody face to face or sitting in a group of people and talking about how you're feeling then something like twitter might be easier for you because you can chat to people but without, without being face feeling to face. exposed yeah so it's about but some people would rather sit in a room and be able to physically talk to somebody so again it's about there are there's different ways to access support and it's finding the ones that work best for you yeah uh, thanks for coming in today, Sarah, uh, and going through this and sharing your story. I know it's, uh, it's really appreciated uh, on the podcast world for the people that are going to get engaged. Uh, that's episode four, the Morbid Download. Uh, we're going to have another one coming up tomorrow, which will be with uh, Miles, who recovered from his broken ankle within 11 weeks, uh, and he's going to talk a lot around the mental health and his rehabilitation. Uh, and if you're going through cancer or if you've had cancer, then just seek out to other people uh, to help you along. Uh, and remember, just try and stay positive all the way through. So keep sending out them positive vibes, encourage people, uh, and just keep moving. All right, so keep listening to the podcast. Make sure you subscribe. The more attention I get, the more energy it gives me, the more people I'll interact with, the more people I'll get on the podcast and we'll chat. And you never know, you might relate to something or you'll pick something up that you can take away with you. Okay, have a good day. See you later.